Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Well, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of us gathered here today, uh, not only in this space, but in our Family Life Center uh, on the other side of campus. And welcome to all those who are part of our extended JCBC family worshiping online with us today. Today is exciting because today we begin a brand new sermon series. Today we begin five weeks in a sermon series entitled, Can I Get a Witness? With the subtitle is my favorite part though, How to Share Your Faith Without Feeling Creepy. Right? So each of the five Sundays of our new sermon series, I just want us to begin with a conversation with uh, some JCBC members about what it means to share your faith and how it feels to share your faith and how you, how you get better at it, more comfortable, more natural along the way. And today, I want you to know, most of you know already Rudy and Jean Bowen, but if you don't know them, you need to know them. Today, they're going to start uh, our sermon with us today, and I just want to thank you, Jean and Rudy, for being with us today. The reason I asked you to help start this series is because when we're talking about sharing your faith, talking to others about about Christ and also about our church and what it means to be a part of this vibrant community of faith, you talk about it all the time. I mean, I've been at lunch with y'all and dinner with you and you talk to strangers, you talk to, to the servers, to friends and family alike all the time about this thing that you love, this, this, this Christ who is the Lord of your life and this church uh, that you've been a part of for, for so long. So I just want to talk about that for a few moment, moments. So what I'm going to do is maybe give you an easy one to start with, okay? A couple of questions. First is an easy question just to get us going, and that is when you first came to JCBC, why did you come and, and why have you stayed? Okay. All right. He won't get much time. Well, we had been, we had heard that there was going to be a new church in the Johns Creek area, and we first heard that it was going to be sponsored by the Dunwoody Church because we had a lot of friends in Dunwoody, and uh, they had we had been a part of the Peachtree Corners, you know, Mission Church, (laughs) and so we come to find out that Shambly was moving out to Johns Creek and they were going to move their church out here. So we thought that would be a great idea was go to Shamley and visit. So we went to Shamley and visited and the first Sunday we were there, we liked what we heard, we liked what we, the people, the, how they made you feel. And so we kept going and we kept going and then uh, they moved out here about a year later and uh, we were here the first Sunday, and we joined here that first Sunday. There was so much energy. I mean, you can, I cannot tell you how much energy that we felt and loved here at J- JCBC, even on the first Sunday. And for all the years since, we still feel 
that energy, that love that's here amongst all the members as well as those, those who have moved on or those who are still here. There's just something special about the love and the caring and attitude here at JCBC. And I'm going to say the reason we stay, that you, this church, is like a big bank account. <laughs> and the more we put in the bank account, the more we get out of it. <laughs> and I'm telling you, we have got more than out of this church we put into it. And we do a little bit of work in the church, a little bit, every now and then. We do, yeah. we do a few things, but we have benefited so much by your prayers, your love, your friendship than any other church we've been in. And we're going to stay here till the kingdom comes. So. All right. Okay. So you're... So I love that image, Gene. The the church is like a big bank account. The more you put in, the That's more right. the more you get out. That's good. And you, the two of you, do that. And your your entire community does that. You have a fantastic, vibrant community, Sunday school community. Well, if you don't Who have a that? Sunday school class, oh. you know the Bowen one. Oh, you know, okay. So now members. the plug. Now comes the commercial. And you don't right. have to have white hair. <laughs> and you don't have to have white hair. No, oh, no, no. oh, okay. You can well, dye it. <laughs> okay, good. All right. So let's talk about the church for just a minute. Um, let's. When you talk to people in your in your day-to-day -day life about JCBC, because your love for the church is very clear. We know that you love this place. But when you talk to them about the church, what do you say? What do you tell them about the church? Well, I can tell you, I've been with her a lot, and I've watched her operate. And first thing she said <laughs> is, is, you might be in the grocery line, you might be at the hospital, or you wherever. No, uh -huh. It doesn't make any difference where she is. Yeah. And she, the first question is, where do you go to church? Hmm. Hmm. Why don't you go to church? <laughs> Get in the car, come with me. That's good. Yeah. And, and we go right down the street. She was over there at the hospital a couple of days ago. Said, Where do you go to church? Well, I go right across the street. Where are you going? Okay. So, you know, she's, she does a great job in, in presenting her faith and, and her uh, love for the Lord in so many ways. So I am very proud that she's my wife because I feel like that... Uh, She's going to be the reason I get there. There you go. There you go. That's right. That's right. Seriously. Good. Okay. We love, we love yeah. the church. We love the Lord. And, you know, we love Sean. He could be our kid. And we're talking, we're old enough to be his mom and daddy. Well. Then we approve of you. All right. Well. <laughs> Don't do anything to mess it up. That's two. That's two. Okay. Don't do anything to mess it up. Okay. Right. All right. 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 That's, good. That's good. But we love John Street. All of you. That's good. That's good. I feel like my faith has grown in several ways. Mm -hmm. Number one is being able to go and visit those in the hospital and pray for with them, you yeah. know, with their sickness. And I have the opportunity. I have a lot of lunches and breakfasts. And I'm always asked if it's all right. We have a blessing. Mm -hmm. And that gives, it's given me some strength to be able to talk to people about my faith yeah. to them. I've seen you do that. I've seen you take the moment and, and if you don't, even if you don't know them, of course, all relationships start, well, all, all of real outreach and witness starts with relationships. But even I've seen you with people you don't know, Rudy, ask them, hey, is there anything, we're about to say a prayer? For, is there anything we can pray about for you? Is there something we can remember when we're praying for you? And then they give you the material, don't they? I mean, they, they, they talk because who wouldn't want someone to lift them up in prayer? There's such a great blessing yeah. from that. That's and, good. And the programs that we have here at the church, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you what uh, no longer bound meant to me last week that I was mm -hmm. here. And sweet tea. tea. Sweet I mean, tea. things of yeah. that nature that you learn so much yeah. and they give you so much strength. Okay. And the love of, you feel the Lord's presence and yeah. energy. 
Well, then last, last question for you, okay? So it's one thing to talk about the church, one thing to talk about, hey, here's a thing, I want you to come to it with me, here's a program, here's a ministry, these are great people, come and meet them. It's one thing to talk about witnessing about your church, bearing witness about your church. It's, it's another thing to talk about bearing witness to your faith, your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you this question this way. So if you think about what God has been up to lately in you, that's where witnessing begins. That's where we bear witness. We, we bear witness to what God is up to in us and through us. So what has God been up to lately in your life? It's your fault. My fault. Okay. <laughs> okay. You preach one Sunday. If you mm -hmm. ask the Lord to tell you something to do for him, mm -hmm. ask him in the morning, say, Lord, what can I do for you today? By 11 o'clock, you got more than you can get done. Okay. So ask him in the mornings what you can do. He will send something for you to do that day. And you'll be so thrilled that you listened to him and did it. You'll have more blessings than you can you can count them. You just can't. But you have to ask, and we're given. This church is full of opportunities. If you're not plugged into something, what are you waiting on? Mm -hmm. You're missing it all. Okay, good. Good word. That's a fantastic word. Would you all join me in, in saying thanks to Rudy and Jean? Yeah, thank you all. We love you. We love you. Love you, Jean. Okay. All right. Love you, Rudy. Okay. Let's take a moment and offer a word of prayer. Would you bow with me as we begin? Lord, we stop for just a moment to acknowledge that you're always up to something in all of us. Sometimes we recognize it and sometimes we are oblivious to it, but we recognize and confess to you right now that you're attempting to do something in us, to be seen by us, to be witnessed about in the lives of those uh, who we do life with and and our prayer as we begin this time of study is that you would speak to us. And we open our minds and hearts now at the beginning of this time of worship. And we ask that your spirit would do something in us that only your spirit is capable of doing. Transform our minds. Transform our hearts. So that we may actually recognize you every day waking us in the morning and calling us to join you in some good thing for which we can bear witness. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. So friends, it's true. We are now in the beginning of a brand new conversation about how you share your faith. And the reason we're doing this, a couple of really important reasons. The first is for the last many, many weeks, we've been talking about our church and how do we talk about our church to friends and neighbors, coworkers, family members, without being felt or perceived as, as that guy at the office, you know? And without being so, so awkward about it that you create a distancing, but rather, how do you talk about it in a way that, that draws you close and deepens the relationships you have? So on the one hand, we've been talking about our church and how do we get this amazing story of the JCBC experience known by those who may not know it, may not know they could have a home here as part of the reason why we're doing this. But another reason is this, back in the spring, one of the things that you said during our shared life survey was we said things like, um, I want help sharing my faith with others. 
I want to be able to find ways to talk about it in a way that's natural and real and, and has a certain gravitas to it, has a certain strength to it, but I don't know where to start. And so that's what we're going to do during this series is hopefully find a place to start. So these next four weeks, today and four more weeks, five weeks total, we're talking about practical ways to think about bearing witness in the world. Now next week, our topic is going to be unique. Next week is called How to Tell an Unfinished Story. That's next week's sermon. In other words, how do you get past having to think, oh my gosh, what are the verses I'm supposed to memorize and what's the formula? What questions do I ask? And if they say this, if they ask me a question, how do I get past the anxiety of not knowing the answer? What if, what if witnessing had nothing to do with that, but rather about learning to bear witness to an unfinished story that is at work in you right this very moment? Next week, we're going to talk about how you talk about what God is up to in your life. The next week, we're going to get personal. We're going to talk about sharing faith with family without making Thanksgiving weird. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, family, these are the ones who know us best and love us most, but they see us at our best and worst. These are the ones who know our secrets. They know when we rise and when we fall. They know when we lose our temper, when we're impatient. They know when we, at times, can say things about faith, but sometimes fail at living through with those very same statements. So how do you do faith and talk about faith and bear honest witness to those who are closest to you, even if they know you best? The third week, or the next week, we're going to be talking about Come With Me, Come and See, a pastoral appeal to make the growth of JCBC a priority in your spiritual journey. How do you talk about this church without creating a barrier between you and the person you know who doesn't go to church? Or perhaps they're talking about where we can't find a church where we belong, where we find a sense of growth and love and community. How do you talk about it with them in a way that is not off-putting, but inviting and endearing? We're going to talk about that that week. And then finally, the last part of the series is going to be called Testify. And note the spelling. Growing your stewardship story. Do you realize that you are telling a story? by how you spend your time and energy and money and love in this life. You're telling a story. You're bearing witness. How do we grow in our stewardship story? Now, all of that is going to be very practical. All of that is going to be very, what do I do here and how do I say it there? But today we have to lay a foundation. Just as you've seen Gene and Rudy uh, talk just naturally about this is how we do it. This is how we try to bear witness honestly, good or ill. This is who we are. Just as you are going to see more of that in the next few weeks, today we, bear, we, we lay a foundation. Today I want us to begin with this topic. You are bearing witness. You are. Whether you think so or not. You are already at present right now, every day of your life, bearing witness. It may be a good witness. It may be an awful witness. But you are bearing a witness. Make no mistake about it. It was a few years ago. I was driving up 141. And I'm with my family. And I'm obeying the law. Glenn, I, I'm a good citizen. Georgia gives me a license because I obey the law of the land most of the time. And I am going the speed limit. And I'm in the slow lane. And I'm courteous. And I'm waving. And how you doing? You know, and... And I'm just being a good Johns Creek person, right? That's what you do. 
I'm driving along. This guy comes up behind me, and apparently the speed limit is not fast enough for him. And he comes up riding my tail. And, and, I, and he starts to lay on his horn. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? I can't pull over in the emergency lane. What am I? So I'm just driving along, driving along. And he whips around me, laying on his horn. And then we both go to the red light. <laughs> Don't you love it when that happens? Oh, my gosh, it couldn't have been any. So we both are at the red light. And now he's at the red light first because zoom. And, but I'm, I'm now at the, coming up to the red light going obnoxiously slow now. Just slowly creeping up. And as I creep up beside him, this is what I do. I smile at him. I give him a big pastoral smile. And then I lay on my horn. Like obnoxiously long. And the whole time it's going. I'm like, hey, I've got one too. Look here. I've got one and mine works too, just like yours. How about that? The whole time his wife is is yelling at him. My wife is saying, Sean, stop. Listen, woman, I know what I'm doing. And she's like, Sean, Sean, I'm like, woman, let me be the man of this car. What you talking about? Oh, I got a, I got a horn. It works for me. What's, what's your problem? Well, meanwhile, Laura breaks in and says, Sean, God, you've got a JCBC bumper sticker on your car. <laughs> ah. You are bearing witness whether you think so or not. It may be a good witness, it may be an awful witness, but you are bearing witness. So the first foundational thought I want us to think about before we get into, well, how do I say this, and what words, and what verses do I use, and how do I be a good witness? The very first foundational thought that I want us to consider is this. Your life, the way you live day by day is the greatest witness you will ever have or worst. <laughs> it is the greatest witness that you will ever have, or it could be the worst. Your life and mine, when we rise in the morning until we go to bed at night, our lives tell a story. Constantly around the clock, our lives are telling a story. Now, it may be a happy story, it may be a sad story, it may be a hopeful story or it may be a hurtful story but your life will not keep your witness secret that's why jesus said look if you really want to know the true measure of someone's faith look at the life they live the way he put it was this he said pay attention to the kind of fruit that grows out of their decisions in matthew's gospel he says you will know them by their fruits Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. Jesus knew that in his day there were religious people who were so good at being religious people that they had all the right words constructed. 
They had all the right verses to quote, all the right rituals to practice. And if you looked at their lives from the outside, you would say, man, they've got enough religion for all of us. They must really have it going on. But Jesus understood that religious people and especially religious leaders can put on a good talk. But until the walk matches the talk, there can be a disconnect from the outer life we demonstrate and the inner life that we nurture. He put it this way. He said, the truth is, you have to pay attention to the fruit that their life produces. Because any of us can live lives of incongruency. We can say one thing and do another. We can have one life on the interior and then project some other version of that life on the exterior. You know, even today, not just in Jesus, David, today you and I can do the same thing. We can have just enough Jesus. We can mix in just enough Jesus in the way we talk, in the tweets that we tweet, in the posts that we post, that it looks from the outside that person is a Christian. But at the same time, We can espouse a way of life that is so diametrically opposed to the ethical standard of our Lord that it's as far as the East is from the West. Do you know that your witness does not start with finding the right words to say? It doesn't start with, how do I start this conversation? It begins by asking a serious question. Have you ever encountered the transforming love of God. Have you ever been rescued? Have you ever been to the edge of something and dangled your toes over the edge of the precipice of despair and decision and maybe self-destruction and something beyond you brought you back from the edge of destruction have you ever known to be given a second chance a third chance anybody know about a fourth chance do you know what it's like to be at war with someone in your family And you pray, and you pray, and you yield, and you yield, and somewhere along the way, with a power beyond your capacity, God makes peace and reconciles you to the one with whom you are at war. Have you ever been lying awake at the midnight hour? And if you don't know what I mean by the midnight hour, I don't mean 12 o'clock a.m. I mean the midnight hour. Midnight hour can come at 2 o'clock in the morning. Midnight hour can come at 3 o'clock in the morning. And you're lying there awake. And and no sleep aid in your cabinet can help you go to sleep because you're aware you've been given some news. Some diagnosis. You have almost made a decision that could destroy everything. And yet in the midst of that abject loneliness, there was a surge of an awareness that while we may be lonely, we are never alone. Have you ever experienced the mysterious nearness 
of the one who is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Because, beloved, (laughs) that's where the witness begins. It doesn't begin with fancy formulas or a well-constructed argument of scriptural or or textual um, proof from the Bible. It begins with, do you have a story to tell? Have you met this one who has rescued you from some dark night? Because if you do, your witness begins right there. And you know how? Your witness simply is remaining awake to the reality of God's presence and God's action in your life right now. Because if you and I can simply remain awake, if we can stay aware of God's ever-present help in time of trouble, then we are aware there is an interior transformation always at work. And that interior transformation that changes the heart and changes the mind will inevitably change the way we live Or as Jesus would say, it changes the quality of fruit that your life produces. Because if you are awake to the reality of just how much God is desiring to be present and active in your life, then it will result in the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. It will change everything you do. Then all of a sudden, you're not worried about how am I going to be a witness because you recognize that what I tweet is a witness. What I post is a witness. How I react to an argument is a witness. And how I deal with disappointment and failure is a witness. How I handle sadness. And when something in me, some dream, some hope, some plan dies, then how I deal with resurrection is a witness to the world who I promise you is watching But you can't simply leave this place and say, you know, I think I'm going to be a better witness. I think I'm going to produce fruit. That's what I'm going to do. Each day I'm just going to produce fruit. No, each day if you simply wake up, and I mean really wake up, to see the divine who is always at work within us, then you won't be able to help but be a witness because your life will be so fruitful that it is compelled forward by this interior transformation that you nor I deserve. This is what I love hearing about these two trees that Jesus mentions. You know, and if we're not careful, so we'll hear him talking about these two trees. You know, a good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. If we're not careful, what we'll assume is, well, that means, you know, I guess there are some good people in this world, good trees, and they produce good things, good fruit. And there are some people who are just bad people and they, they, they're bad trees and they produce bad fruit. Now, that may be true at some level. <laughs> I mean, it may be true that right where you're sitting today, you're hearing this. and Something in you is making you acutely aware that all of the fruit in your life right now is bad fruit. Maybe you know this. Maybe you know that everything you do is not not motivated by the awareness of this interior transformation. Maybe you're not motivated in producing fruit because you are aware of God's presence and action in you. Maybe the fruit that you're producing is because you are motivated and compelled forward by this interior shame that you carry around. Or a deep fear 
that dominates your life. Or an unresolved anger that you just cannot seem to make peace with. And you carry all that around inside like a bad tree. (laughs) And maybe you recognize that you're not producing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Not, Not the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you realize you're producing fruit from the branches of criticism and pride and deceit and envy. Maybe you recognize, if you're honest with yourself, that there are days when you are producing the the fruit of fear and aggression and hate. Well, if that's where you are today, maybe the project needs to be an uprooting Maybe you need to uproot the tree that is producing a life that you yourself don't even want to eat the fruit of. But the longer I live, the more I recognize God is able to do that. God is able to uproot the bad and plant something so real, so good, so true that your life begins to blossom with a different kind of fruit. But the longer I walk with Christ, here's another discovery that I'm making these days. This talk about two trees. (laughs) It's not that there are some people who are good and some people who are bad, some who are good trees and all they do is good fruit and some who are bad and all they do is bad fruit. The truth is I recognize that in me, I've got both trees growing all the time. At the same time, I have within me both the good tree and the bad tree, the true self and the false self. And there are days, maybe on my very best day, when Christ says, okay, yeah, you're getting close, that that. That's what I'm talking about. But on most of my days, he's like, are you out of your mind? What are you doing? We all have good and bad trees growing within us. And maybe the life of faith, maybe bearing witness is simply being aware of which fruit we're serving up to those around us. Now, all this talk about these two trees has got me thinking about two other trees in the Bible. You know, Rob Bell talks about there are two trees in the Bible that kind of frame the entire consciousness of the Bible. The very first book of the Bible has a name. What's the name of the first book of the Bible? Yeah, Genesis. And in Genesis, something interesting is going on in Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we get this story about God creating the world. And all that is. And in the book of Genesis, there's this creation of of an Edenic place where God and humankind coexist in this divine human partnership. In fact, he creates everything so good and so at shalom, so at peace, that it's perfect. And humankind is in partnership with God. God creates the world, but humankind tills and keeps it is the phrase. God creates the animals and Adam names the animals. There's this beautiful partnership, but the most beautiful part of the whole story is that human beings are at peace with one another and at peace with God. And there is a meaningful life and in the middle of that life, there's a tree. And that tree represents an invitation by God to live in boundaries the way God had hoped we might live. 
if you live according to my design, God would say, then you will live and thrive and we will create in this life a community of great beauty, love, equity, justice. But if you choose to reject me, you can. And God establishes a vision for what life can look like if humankind welcomes the presence and action of God. It can be a life of true fruitfulness. At the end of the book, at the end of the Bible, there is another book. The name of that book is what? Revelation. Don't put an S at the end of Revelation. Just a little pastoral pet peeve. The book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, there is another creation. There is, at the end of time, at the end of things, a beginning. And that beginning is described this way. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the new heaven and new earth won't look anything like the old heaven and old earth, except it kind of will. Because in what God is establishing in the new heaven and new earth, it is exactly what God had hoped God might establish in the original heaven and earth. And in this vision at the very last book of the Bible, well, all the nations will be redeemed. All will be at peace, humankind with humankind and humankind with God. And life will be true and at shalom and there will be beauty and grace and justice for those who have suffered. Relief for the oppressed. And in the middle of that new creation, there is a tree. And just as the first tree in the first creation has waters and rivers all around it, so will the second. And somehow, if you want to think of it this way, our life, our existence, is somewhere between this tree and the other. That means that you and I, if we are to attempt to be a witness in the world, what in the world am I talking about up here? You and I, as people of faith, are the ones who, if we remain awake to it, we are the ones who are aware that God has always been and God will always be attempting to be present and active in our lives in partnership to redeem the world and to be present in us in such a way that we live in harmony, not just with each other, but with God, not just in time past or in some age to come, but right here and right now. That means you and I live between the trees as evidence. And the way we choose to live bears witness that this is not all there is. That we can live lives of fruitfulness because there is a God who from the beginning and until the end of the age is attempting to be known by us. There was a Jewish proverb that said, you know, your good deeds are the seeds of the trees of Eden. Your good deeds are the seeds of the trees of Eden. That means how you walk and how you talk, how you view and how you do your life can bear witness to the reality that there is a God who is desiring to be known by us and redeemed by us in this momentary life that we share between the trees.
That's where our witness begins. To remain aware. So what do we do about it? Well, maybe we do this. Maybe if we remain aware of that great capacity to be the evidence of a God who is establishing God's presence and action in the world, maybe our prayer is the prayer of Psalm 139. At the end of Psalm 139, we read these words, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Beloved, over the next four weeks, we're going to get really practical. We're going to talk about words to use and words to avoid. We're going to talk about how to talk to the people you love, about your faith, about the Lord, about this amazing church. But it begins with being aware, aware of what God is attempting to do in you. Let's offer that prayer in Christ's name. God, we, we stop for just a moment to acknowledge the reality that you have always been and will always be desiring to make us one, to redeem us, forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, but plant within us a tree that is bearing the fruit of your love in this world. Would you show someone here this day, right now, how to receive that transformation? How to yield the heart so that you're able to plant within us something holy and true and beautiful and good that this hungry world may eat the fruit of your great love. Now we pray all of these things in the name of Christ. Amen.